0: Did y'all mean that when you're saying hallelujah? Did you mean it? Let's sing hallelujah. We're to sing hallelujah. Uh, we celebrate and worship Christ. He is the risen King who has come into the world. Church, I want you to know that Christmas, Christ is the centerpiece of Christmas. And today, if anything, I want to return Christ to Christmas, Christ into the life of Christians, and Christ into the church. I think that you could go to any church, and you may find a great one, but I think there are many churches that gather, that do some religious things, but Christ has been removed from the center. Now this morning, I want you to know that you know this, if you were to look at any nativity scene, Jesus is in the center. It's all about Jesus. But I want you to imagine today, maybe you've gone down to across the Wyoming Medical Center to the park there, Conwell Park, and they have Christmas lights every year. Isn't that great? We love Christmas lights. Emma loves, she was peeking out the window the other day, Dad, you've got to come see this. Like, what is it? Christmas lights! She can barely see one down on the corner. The lights are moving, and she's excited just about the little bit there. But if you go down to the park, they have Christmas lights, and imagine you drive up, you're with your family, and you see the the sign that says, turn to the station, and you can hear music, and the music is pumping, the Christmas music, the lights are dancing to the music. And you see a few people moving around out there in the park, and you're like, hey, you can get out and walk around, that's pretty cool. And now it's getting colder, you know, but even the wind and all, you say, oh, we're going to get out, we're going to look at the Christmas lights. And you look over and you see there's a a structure there in the midst of the Christmas lights. And you walk over and you realize this is a nativity scene. You look there and you see the animals. You see the shepherds that have gathered. And they're looking in a certain direction. The wise men with their gifts. Joseph and Mary. And they're looking down at this manger. And if you were to look there and the baby Jesus wasn't there, what would that mean? It would be meaningless. Why are they even gathered? Church, the reason we do this is because of Jesus Christ. He is the purpose of all of this. And church, it is all about Jesus. The reason we gather, the reason we've taken the name Christian, little Christ followers, the reason we celebrate Christmas, Christ Mass, a Christian celebration of Christ. I want you to think about this as we continue on. C.S. Lewis said this, the birth of Christ is the central event in the history of the Earth, the very thing the whole story is about. Each year it's like a culmination in a building to this point that Christ has come into the world. He is the central figure of history. He's the center person or the central person of all of Scripture. From the beginning to the end, when you come to the New Testament, it tells you that Jesus actually made all things. He was there in the beginning and created the world. He is the centerpiece of Christmas. Now we've entered into a special time of year in the church calendar, the season of Advent, a time of expectancy, that there was a longing for the Messiah to come. I sent out a devotion to, the, to several people. I don't always get everyone. We're trying to reach out to more through the YouVirgin Bible app. If you don't have that yet, you can get it on your phone for free. They've reached over, I think, a, mil, a billion people that have signed on for the free Bible app. and all that, you can share devotions. And one of the devotions I shared is an Advent devotion. The very first devotion mentioned Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. Why is that important? It's called the Broto-Evangelion. The first good news. That the seed of the woman would crush the head of Satan. That life would come and defeat death. And obviously, the serpent would bruise the heel of the seed of the woman. He would go to the cross. He would be crucified. But He would rise again to give life. They were longing for this person to come. The Messiah. The King. And it is my goal during this season... That you would draw closer to Christ through this time. There's busyness, there's issues in the world, and all kinds of problems going on, but that we would draw closer to the reason that Christ has come into the world as we celebrate his arrival. I want you to also work to take um, more time to spend with him, to see him for who he is, to see him in all his glory. To hear his words. Today we're going to go through some scriptures and people that wanted to see Jesus, but he had a message for them. You cannot take Jesus without his message. And also ultimately, as we have grown into relationship with God, we are to serve God. We bow down before him, but we also serve him. With that being said, I have something that we've been reciting once a month, and so it's the first Sunday of the month, and we recite 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. And if you were to turn to this in the Bible, you'll come to chapter 3 of Paul's second letter to Timothy, and he's talking about the increase in god ungodliness in the world. It's like it's a very depressing passage, and then all of a sudden, Paul says to Timothy, but you've been acquainted with the scriptures since a young age. That you've been familiar with these things. And he goes into the reason of the Word of God. So we're going to recite that together this morning. And as we do, we say it like we believe it. We don't want to sing, bow down before Him. Come in." We want to mean what we say, amen. So let's say this together. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is useful to teach us what is true. And to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. We are wrong. And teaches us, right. teaches us to do what is right. Amen. That's exciting. I hope you're excited. We have some Scripture to get into today. I hope you Are you smiling? Just take a breath. Isn't that good? The Scripture is God breathed. John chapter 12, we're taking a break from life of Jesus through the gospel of Luke. But here in these verses 20 through 26, it says, Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. Now when they're talking about the feast here, it's the feast of the Passover. Jews traveled from all around to come to this annual feast. So, there came to, so they came to Philip, these Greeks, who were, from, who were from Bethsaida in Galilee. And they asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. There will be my servant, or there my servant will be also. And if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Let's pray together this morning. Uh, Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time of year um, that people decided that this would be a good thing to celebrate the arrival of Christ, that a great light has come into a world of darkness. And I pray today that you give us eyes to see Jesus more clearly. Lord, that we are returning Christ Jesus to the center of our life, to the center of the celebration that we have, to the center of our church ministry, and Lord, that people see Jesus in our life and that we see him today and that we are obedient to him, that we serve him by faith and follow him. In Jesus name, amen. In the church 2000 years ago, a couple or young couple were able to witness a miraculous birth where God became flesh. In theology, this is called the hypostatic union. God and man unite. Jesus is fully God. He is fully man. And here it is. These shepherds came to see Jesus. Wise men traveled miles, rough terrain, uh, dangerous areas, to come and see the birth. Of the king, to see the king and give him uh, and worship him and give him gifts. And today we see a wonderful portion of scripture. A group of people now have still come to see Jesus at the Passover. And I would say people today still need to see Jesus. And that we as Christians need to make a way for people to see Jesus in our lives and in the church. If people were to come and say, we want to see Jesus, they should be able to see Jesus in our church. So the first thing that we see here is the people coming say, we want to see Jesus. Again, verse 20 through 21. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. And so then these came to Philip who was from Thessalonica in Galilee and asked him, Sir... We wish to see Jesus. Now, many believe that Philip was a Greek. And actually, the Greek word, the manuscripts that we have, the Greek here, um, the name for this means um, Helene, um, Greek people. Now, it can mean two things. One, that they actually were Greeks uh, by nationality or ethnicity, or they were Gentiles, and so when you look at this, but when we hear the term for Greek, Hellene, it's because when um, Alexander the Great took over the known world, he Hellenized things. Obviously, Babylon defeated Jerusalem. The people are taken captivity. The Medo-Persians take over from there. And so the Jews are under these different rulers for years. They're under Alexander the Great. But when he came, he wanted to educate the world to be Greek. So they began to learn. It's why the New Testament is written in Greek because he made it a Greek culture of the time. They were actually trying to make the Jews worship as Greeks, and later the Romans would come and its Greco-Roman culture. Now again, most times this deals with the the culture of the people, where they're from, and oftentimes as well, the um, non-Jews, Gentiles. And ultimately, these are what we would call God-fearers, people that wanted to worship the God of the Jews. And this is the issue. The Greeks saw how the, the Jews would worship. They were monotheistic. And they saw this God who was holy. He wasn't like sinful man. Of course, God became man, but He was pure. He was holy. But as these Greeks were watching this, saying, their, their mythology or their religion, which we would call mythology, they worshipped these gods who were very finicky. They were very human-like. They got upset and caused problems, and the Greeks were like... I don't want to worship those guys. I like the God of the Jews. This seems real. And so they would come and convert the Judaism. And here it is. They've come to worship during the Passover. They want to worship the one true God. We call these um, Greek or proselytes. And they have come to Jerusalem to worship the Jewish Passover. Passover. Now apparently, Jesus has gone into the temple and there's a court for the Gentiles. The Greeks were not allowed to go in. You read that in some of the Scriptures. They were in the back areas of synagogues. And so that's why they go to Philip. Philip is sitting outside and Philip goes to Andrew and they go in and they bring Jesus out to talk to them. And this is the thing I want to focus on today. Their very request. Sir, to Philip, we want to see Jesus. What a wonderful request I have out of all the requests, all all the things that people have asked of God, out of all the things that people have asked Jesus, the healings, the miracles, all these things, they just want to meet with Jesus. Can we see Him? Is He willing to come out and, and be with us? We want to see this Jesus we've heard about. I love that. There's no doubt that they've heard of Jesus and all His miracles up to this point. Just in in John chapter 11, Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead. There's no way this message did not get to them. This is the guy who raises people from the dead. It's not just about his authoritative preaching. Something is different about this guy. We want to see Jesus. I had a friend share recently a pastor who is entering or finishing the third quarter of his life. That's a nice way, as he put it, is nearing 75 and going into the next quarter. And he's done over 50 years of ministry. What a long time to be doing ministry. And he shared about for years how he had watched all these new pastors come along, these mega church pastors, and he wanted to be like these guys. He wanted to teach lessons like these guys, these five ways to defeat anxiety. I think you can defeat anxiety, but I don't know you can get it done in five ways. How to be a better employee and all these different steps. And he loved that. He wanted to do that. He loved what the churches were doing. And, and over time, he realized, and he was sharing this recently I realized I just want people to see Jesus. Not all the next method and systems and strategies and all those things. And some of those things really matter, but he just wants people. To meet and see Jesus. He says these little, he puts out these little videos every weekend. Come and let me tell you a story about Jesus. What a wonderful ministry. Just let me tell you about this Jesus who you've come to hear about. Now, years ago, new and fattest churches came on the scene and the pastors, they had these trendy mega churches that had arisen. Many amazing speakers. You're mesmerized even today. You're like, Wow! It's awesome. They draw you in. And these churches were growing fast. And all the little churches wanted to be like the mega churches. So what did they do? The leadership got together and said, you know what? We're going to send people from our church to the mega church and see how they're doing it. So they would go and they would learn and they'd watch how the pastor would preach and all the things and how they did all the trendy new things. And they came back to the little churches and they decided, we need to do these things. And so the little churches started doing all the little things and that the big churches were doing, and all they did was clone these big churches. And I can't help but think, and I had these things have come in today, one of the uh, one of the pastors had shared, who was humble enough to say later, that after all the things that we have done, making it easier for people, and seeker sensitive, if you will, and All the niceties and the trendy things. And when we reviewed it, we brought in thousands of people. But we just didn't make disciples. They were willing to admit that after reviewing all this time and all the things they had done. They were marketing to consumers. It wasn't about Christ. It wasn't about making disciples. And sadly, many churches had duplicated their method. It was too late. It had passed down the pike, and here it is. Little churches were trying to be like the big churches, and that's not what they're called to do. What if these churches had got together with their leadership team and the church and said, you know what? We want to make this ministry about Jesus. Let's start praying and seeking God and how we can make the central person of the church who it should be about Jesus, about Christ, about His salvation, His mercy, and His love. Church, it is all about Jesus. And we want people to see Him. We don't want to distort that. We want people to have a clear picture of Christ. In fact, our vision here is that we want to reach Casper with a message of Jesus. Jesus. That is That that acronym is that we want people to have revitalization, to, to experience revival in the church. And that people would be equipped, and as they're equipped, meaning to be made good disciples, because of Jesus and learning His teaching. And as we advance the kingdom and the gospel, we're advancing this because Christ has called us to do this. And when we connect with new people, we're connecting with them because of Jesus. And that we participate in the harvest that Jesus speaks about. Church, we must become a people that anyone in our community, if they ask to see Jesus, they would see Him. They would see Him in our lives. They would see Him and witness Him in the work of the church. And, And if they would see Jesus in our lives, they would recognize there is something different. You can go to any church today, like I said right here at the beginning, and they are still gathering They still give. They still sing music. They have gathered. But there in the middle, Jesus has been removed. Where is He? They should be getting saved. They should witness what Jesus is doing in the life of the church. Come and be a part of a church. I would say that we should invite people and say, come and be a part of a church. It's not so trendy. It's not so perfect. We're not necessarily doing the latest thing. It's not so elegant. And we love new songs. I love the new music. I love Air One. I listen to it all the time. I love old music. I love new music. We sing Christian songs all the time. We're listening, going down the road and, and singing music. And Emma loves to sing sleigh ride. And she doesn't even know all the words. She was like, Slay ride. You know, she loves singing these Christmas songs. You know, we love Waymaker. She sings these songs, Way Maker, beautiful. You know, we sing these things together because we're not perfect. Our voices aren't perfect, but we're singing to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. When we come and worship, we are to be worshiping Jesus. Imagine if people began to say, "You know, I don't know about everything about Jesus, but that church, they lift up Jesus." When they sing it is about Jesus. Imagine if people began to walk in the door instead sort of like a little side conversation somebody's having. And in churches for years, I've heard people take people aside and, and they're griping about something. I can't believe this or that or that. Imagine if they first thing they heard when they walked in the door, so what are they? They're talking about Jesus. They're witnessing about Jesus. This is what Jesus has done in my life this week. This is what Jesus has done for me. I have encountered Him. Imagine as they came in and began to worship, there was a a spirit of excitement because we've come to worship Jesus. That's a church, they're in classes because they want to learn about this Jesus. So they can have a deeper relationship with this Jesus we've heard of. They want to give to the mission. We want to give to the mission because of Jesus. We want to help people because of we want to be like Jesus. Imagine if people encountered this Jesus, if they got to really see Jesus. Now, in our text today, they got to see Jesus. They've requested to see Him. Verse twenty-three tells us this, and Jesus answered them, "The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. He's entering into the time of his suffering. This is the third time He's come to Jerusalem, and the Passover. This would be the week that Christ goes to the cross." Jesus answered them. By them probably includes both the disciples who were there and the Greeks who've come to see Jesus. Jesus has come out of the temple at this point to speak. and Jesus never refused an audience. I mean, there was times where He needed to get away to rest and pray and be with His Father, but everybody who has made their way to Jesus got to meet with Jesus. Regardless if it was a teaching or a healing or any of these things, even the religious people, Jesus gave them opportunity to meet with him. They want to see Jesus because no doubt they've heard about his miracles. Imagine thinking about John chapter one at this point, John is telling this story and they have declared that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And that word gets out. This Jesus is here, the Lamb of God we've talked about. In chapter 2, there'd be the wedding in Galilee, or Cain of Galilee, that they, Jesus had turned water into wine. And it was joy had come to the wedding, and that news got out. In John chapter 3, Jesus has met with Nicodemus, and this, our, favorite, our favorite verse from the Bible, John 3.16, has gotten out. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. The Word is getting out. John chapter 4, Jesus said, I have a need to go through Samaria. And He meets with a woman who's been living in sin. And the disciples don't even want to go there. Why would we go through Samaria? He says, because I have a need to meet with somebody to tell them that they can have living water. And Jesus tells her some things. And she goes to the town. You know what she says? Come and see a man who's told me everything about my life. He knows everything. Come and see this man. And word got out in Samaria. John chapter 5, it moves on. And and Jesus heals a man there. A man is laying on the mat. And everybody's come to this pool waiting on an angel to stir the water. And Jesus shows up and heals a man. And He says, go and sin no more. John chapter 6, no doubt word had got out that Jesus had fed 5,000 people. You can't keep that in a group. I mean if you had a group of ten people and Jesus healed somebody, word gets out, right? Five thousand people were fed from a little kid's lunch box. Word is getting out that he is the bread of life. In John chapter seven, Jesus is saying, Come to me. I am this water, this fountain that's there that they see. John chapter eight, he forgives the woman. Neither do I condemn you as the religious people had taken up rocks. He said that you without sin, throw the first stone. They drop the stones, so they walk away. They hear about this man who doesn't stone people in sin. John chapter 9, I am the light of the world. The Word is getting out. John chapter 10, I I am the doorway to God. I am the, the good shepherd. The news is getting out about this goodness of God. And obviously, John chapter 11 is dealing with Lazarus. And that he is raised from the dead. And Word, here it is, has reached these people they've come to worship, and they didn't just come to take a sacrifice, to be a proselyte. they want to meet Jesus. And here it is: they get to, to meet with him. They want to see Jesus, of course, because of the miracles, but here it is. He directs their attention to the coming cross. He said, "It is my time for the hour. What is it this talking about that he would suffer." Jesus stepped out of eternity, became flesh. That He would grow up and suffer for the sins of the world to be the atonement for us. The very reason Christ has come into the world. If you were to look beyond verse 26 to 27, it says here, Now is my soul troubled. Why is his soul troubled? And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. The very purpose Christ has come into the world is to make a way to the Father to die for the sins of the world that He would suffer and rise again. And though we celebrate the birth of Christ, He would not stay in the cradle. There's too many today who are spending too much time around the cradle. Jesus became a man. He lived. He did ministry for three years. He died on the cross. He again, rose again. He has ascended into glory. And we are to look to Him to be saved. Church, I would pray today, that we are helping people to see Jesus. I cannot change people. For years, I've had that in my mind. That if I do these things and tell them about Jesus and help them, that the people would change. And there's people that have problems and we try to get involved in their life and we're trying to help them. But at the end of the day, you cannot solve people's problems. All you can really do is point people to the Jesus, Son of God, who can solve their problems. We cannot solve the sin issue. Jesus has to rescue the inner man to save people, save their heart and change them. And this is where we are, church. We have to be a people that are helping to chip away. The world, our culture, has put up a wall that's just a religious organization. I don't like uh, organized religion. I always like to say, have you seen disorganized religion? That's pretty bad. But people have put up walls about this church and Christianity. And I want you to know why. It's because we have not always lived out the faith. People have not seen Jesus in our lives. They've not seen Jesus in the church. And our job now is to do our best to, to chip away at that wall. The wall they've put up. And how do we do that? We demonstrate love. I cannot change them, but I can demonstrate the love of God and we chip away at the things. Well, I've had problems in this area and I need help in this area. We chip away and we show them, and eventually they can see Jesus more clearly. I'm going to ask Jay to come as we prepare to close. I came across this story, and it's one of the most profound stories I've read about ministry and someone being saved. One night in London years ago, a woman who was a prostitute, she lay dying in the slums. She sent her young son to the nearest church to get a pastor to come down and and talk to her. She said to her son, her little boy, go get a minister to get me in. So the boy went to the local minister's house and he knocked on the door and the pastor came to the door and said to the kid dressed in rags, what do you want? My mother wants you to come and and get her in. And he asked, What? The boy repeated, My mother is dying. She wants you to come and get her in. And and it took a moment, and then he realized what the boy meant and what he was trying to say. And the pastor was a liberal pastor in his theology, he had never preached the gospel. On the way over, he wondered, What would he say to this dying woman? He couldn't preach what he'd been preaching to his congregation. That message would not get anyone in. It was scholarly and couched in sunshine and rosy language. But it was not good enough to get a dying woman in and deliver her from sin. He thought of what his own mother had taught him when he was a boy. He remembered that she used to read the Bible and tell him about Jesus. When he got to the dying woman's bedside, he asked her, "'What do you want?' "I want you to get me in," she said. "I'm an awful sinner, but I want you to get me in." He didn't know what to say, but in a faltering way, he looked back and he remembered the one verse his mother had taught him that stood out in memory. So he took his Bible that hadn't been opened in a long time, and he turned to John chapter three, verse six, or 3:16. That's all he could think of. It was the verse his mother had given him when he was just a boy, so he read it to the woman at her deathbed. For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life." She asked him, does that mean me? It does. Whoever means you and me and and anyone else. I believe it, she said. Tell me more. Well, he only knew John 3.16 for salvation, so he shared it again for God so loved the world. She said, do you suppose he loves me that much? He answered, well, he loves you so much that he gave his son to die for you. Oh, she said, then I'll trust him. A smile came over her face and she said to him, minister, thank you for getting me in. This minister had helped this woman see Jesus. Later, this pastor would tell the story of what had happened He said that night I got two people in. He said, I got that woman in, that dear poor woman, and I got myself in. In church, here we are as Christians, as Christ followers in this time of Christmas, and we need to help people see Jesus. And here's the problem. Churches have gotten off track for years. In many churches, people have come in, and maybe on one end it's about religion. And on the other end, it's about something else altogether. The churches have misplaced Jesus. And for us as Christians, maybe at times we've hindered people from seeing Jesus. Looking back on my life, I know that I have done that. And we're going to open the altars today, and I want you, if you want to come and say, Lord, help me to see you. Or maybe you have seen Jesus for the first time, and you need to trust in Him today. Or maybe you've hindered people from Jesus and you want to say, Lord, help me. Help people see Jesus in my life. Church, we're going to open the altars. Come and pray as you feel led. You can bow your heads in prayer and come. And let's seek Jesus.